1: Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, another week, another episode coming out. We're in the dog days of uh, deer hunting right now. Without the weather, the deer aren't moving a lot, but I'm going to jack you up, talk about a buck from 2023 with Levi Marshall this week. Um, But before we get into that, we're going to get into the people that make this possible. Starting off with Exodus Outdoor Gear. Um, Tax time's right around the corner. Already had some people message me wanting to spend some money on cell cams. Um, if you are a guy that's looking to spend some money on cell cams or arrows, um, from Exodus, they are a newer brand. They're not in retail stores, um, so a lot of people, this is you know, the only time they get to hear about, uh, you know, Exodus is on a podcast or on a show or something. So, if you want some more information, don't be afraid to reach out to me. I'll chat with you, let you know what I've experienced over the past six years with the brand, um, my do's and don'ts with them, and uh, maybe you know if. If you're going to spend, you know, a bunch of money, um, you get what you want and uh, at least have, have some more info on the on the cameras instead of buying it and not liking it. Um, but you can use my code WL. that save you some money at checkout. Um, and it sounds like they got a new camera coming out real soon, so interesting to see that. Um, next, we got Rec Broadheads. They also got some new stuff coming down the pipe. i uh, pretty sure they release it, ATA Show. Um, they got a big, um, looks like a big expandable broadhead coming out. Um, So that would be exciting to see and uh, see what they got packing um, this year at ATA Show. But if you're looking to get uh, some new heads this year and want to check out Rec, um, you can use code WLP, save you 15% at checkout. Um, next is first form call-out of the week. Um, this week, you know, it's it's New Year's resolution time. It's, it's that time of year where you see people in the gym that you've never seen before, and you can either take it as a negative or a positive. Um, and my call out of the week is um, if you see a new guy in there that you haven't seen before or even if it's someone that you see, you know, in there all the time, ask him kind of, you know, hey, man, you said any resolutions or if it's a new guy, say, you know, good, nice to see you in here. Or if you're not at the gym and you've seen someone on Facebook or or a text message or whatever, one of your buddies trying to lose some weight, get in shape, um, so give them a message and just say, hey, pr- hey proud of you, dude. Um, hopefully you can stick to the resolution. If you need anything, I'm here for you. So that's the call out support someone with their new year's resolution don't de them and uh and act like it's not a big deal because you know i mean a lot of people fail their new year's resolutions. this is plain and simple i don't know what the statistics are but it's a lot i think it's like 67 percent quit after the fourth week or something like that um so maybe that one or two motivations that they get from people will give them enough to get past that Six week mark and and I feel like if you do anything for six week pretty steady, it's pretty easy to consistently keep doing that. Um, I have set some goals as well, and uh been going over that with my accountability group and my book group starting soon so um, if you guys need anything from me, don't be afraid to reach out um, anything fitness wise if you're you got that new year's resolution, you're wanting to get in the gym you want to get your health and fitness under check, um, don't be afraid to reach out. We can talk gym. We can check out workouts. We can talk out supplements. Um, been talking to multiple people lately, and uh, it's a struggle for a lot of people to get to the gym with time, with kids, um, and I understand that, but there's still some small things you can do to make a difference in your overall health um, if you do not have the time to dedicate to that, but there's always a way or a will to get stuff done. And uh sometimes it's just having another guy to chat about it to see kind of where you have time or what you could do um just maybe stuff that you didn't didn't think of um so if you're looking to anything about supplements, anything about your health fitness, reach out to me um instagram Facebook email, anywhere you're at um I'd love to chat i, I like I said this year is a year where I wanna impact others not only um with their hunting but with their health and their fitness and their mental state um and just be be the dude. Um, that people reach out to if they need something. So um, that's it. Oh, also, if you're looking the market for a thermal, don't forget Dark Night Outdoors. Um, man, it's cow, It's going to be cow hunting season soon. I'm going to have an episode with them coming up here probably in the next couple months sometime. Um, but without further ado, let's talk to Levi. Here we go. All right, we got Levi on tonight. How's it going, brother?
2: Dude, it's going great. I'm really glad to be here. Um, one of my favorite podcasts. And when you gave me the opportunity to be here, I was – honestly stoked about it and been looking forward to it ever since.
1: Yeah. You've messaged me on and off for a while now. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to extend this relationship other than just, you know, Instagram message and actually have a conversation with the guy. Um, And what better way to do that than here, you know, so we get some content out of it as well. Um, So um, glad, glad to have you glad to, to move on with the the relationship other than a couple Instagram messages and uh, move to, an actual conversation and you've been killing some slamber bucks over the years too. So I'm excited to chat about that.
2: Yeah, I've been, I've been trying. And like I said, I'm a big follower. I, I
1: love what you got going on over
2: there. So I message you, like you said, on and off and stuff like that, just to get some information from you. And then when you put out like, Hey, is anybody killed this year? And want to talk about it on a podcast? I seen that and I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to be the guy to ask, but then when you hit me with it, I was like, oh, yeah, here we go.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, I put that out there. I put it out multiple times, and I feel like there's guys that are like, my story's not good enough, or I'm not good enough. They have to understand what my, who I am and what my podcast is. You know, it's, I talk to literally who I want, whatever I'm about, and I'm not, I used to do it like, okay, if we get this guy, we'll get some more downloads, or, if we get this guy, we'll get some more likes, and now I don't even. That's not even in the brain waves when I'm scheduling guests. It's like, I, yeah, I want to chat with this guy. Like, it's just, it's just whatever. And um, I kind of just fly on the seat of my pants and, and uh, the show comes out every week somehow. You know, it's, just, it's, it's miraculous. You just, you just heard my personnel problems for the first 10 minutes of the show. <laughs> we still get her done though. So,
2: Absolutely. Uh,
1: but before we get too deep here, uh, give a brief introduction of uh, who you are and kind of what you do.
2: Yeah, so uh, my name is Levi Marshall. Um, I live in northern Indiana right now. I'm from northern Ohio, um, and I was in the uh, military for 10 years. I was stationed in North Carolina. Uh, I worked with the uh, – I was a medic for the Marine Raiders down there. Absolute blast. Great time. But I just recently got out October of last year and then moved to Indiana. That's where my wife's family's from. So living here and literally my life revolves around chasing mature bucks. It's mm-hmm. I made that a priority in my life. I got a job to uh that affords me the time to do that and uh, I got an awesome wife. You can't kill big bucks if your wife sucks. That's a fact. And uh that's literally what I do. I don't hunt I don't hunt anything else like duck hunt, turkey hunt. I don't go fishing. I don't do sports or anything like that. Like this is this is what I do. So hopefully hopefully put some information out there that helps somebody
1: yeah like we mentioned before it's hard to it's hard to do everything and then when you get a family and you get kids it's hard to do anything and bow hunt on top of it you know if you're gonna do it consistently on giant deer or you know high age class deer it consumes so much of your time and then the family aspect consumes so much of it as well um so you really have to lose some opportunities to do other things. If you want to continue to hunt the same way when you start a family, um, and, you know, get, get out of that, um, that young run and gun kind of just have a wife mode. Um, that that's, and you know, that's, that's when I just had a wife, I would, my wife didn't want me home anyways, <laughs> you know, she's she's not <laughs> doing something, you know? So I'd be like, I'll be, I'll be gone for seven days. Like I'll hit you later, you know? So
2: yeah, um, I I get it.
1: But during that time period I had to travel for work, so it kept cutting into my time as well. So
2: Oh man, when I was in the military it was miserable. Like it was it was hard to get anything done because your your our schedules were so voluntary. You know, I had no idea where I was going to be next week. You know what I mean? We're yeah. constantly training, getting ready for deployments, and then I would—I went on deployment, and I would draw like an elk tag, but that I didn't wouldn't make it home in time to even go. You know, so it's a, it was just a nightmare. Damn. Yeah. But things are different now for me, for sure.
1: Well, that's good, man. So, you know, you killed a couple of slammers, but let's talk about that last year's buck. And uh, like you said, you've been absorbing a ton of content trying to grow, you know, and get better at killing these these mature deer. Um, so as you kind of to go into the story, um kind of go into some of the things that that you know that you listened or you heard or you tried that's really sticking and really, you know, thanks helping you make make you successful.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I grew up like I don't. Nobody in my family hunted, and whatever whatever happened, like it was just always in me. It was always what I wanted to do was be outside hunting. I was calling turkeys. I was you know, I always outside in the woods just doing something. So my father learned with me as he would like made these opportunities available. So growing up till I was about 18, I was, a, I loved hunting and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't really get serious about chasing mature whitetails until about 2018 and 2019 is when I really, really started getting into it. So I still consider myself pretty green as far as uh like any type of street cred or anything like that so I'm, I'm definitely still growing as a as a deer hunter but the one thing that changed from my childhood hunting to now is is mobile hunting having a mobile tree stand or a, if, if you're one of the saddle guys are doing that whatever that is 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 definitely mobile hunting and scouting twice as much as you hunt that's the difference in uh in getting on on big deer
1: yeah i agree too is you know when i i don't know if it's like i know that it actually helps you kill the deer um, but i think it also puts you in so many situations that you wouldn't have been before um where you're in a new ground you got to figure it out you're in a new tree you got to figure out where the deer are going to come from and then you see the deer come from there and you get to decide why you were wrong or right and why they are coming from that way um if you go to the same stand and kind of set, I know people are saying, oh, you're mobile, you're on the deer, but you're also taking your learning curve and cutting it like by a 10th, you know, like it's crazy how much more you learn by seeing deer do stuff in different places with different terrain with mobile hunting, instead of going to a ladder stand on the edge of a field and the does always come over out of that corner, you know, and that's where you hunt. And uh, now you're hunting 20, 30 different trees a year. And you're getting to see how deer are working in all those different situations. I feel like that really helped me when I switched the game, not only just being able to get closer to bucks, but being able to see how just general deer use an area when I'm scouting, stuff starts clicking a little easier.
2: Yep. And when I first started out too, like I had, I mean, I was obviously out there to kill. But honestly, like I, when I first started, I was just trying to get pictures of mature deer, you know what I mean? Like getting trail cam images or glassing them from bean field or something like that, like trying to get that, that macro view and then really trying to, and then honing in my game from there. And another thing is too, I get busted all the time. And I think uh, I think that's a critical part of it, too, because that's where you learn from. And that's how you know you're pushing that envelope a little bit. And those are the learning experiences that you get multiple times a year. Like if you kill on October 1st, you know what I mean? You missed out on so much stuff. But if I I mean, I get busted two or three times a year easily. I usually shoot and miss a buck once a year, too. You know what I mean? And I catalog all that stuff and try to learn from it and, uh, and grow from it.
1: Yeah, the the mobile game I I don't I've said that multiple times on here. The mobile game and the the hanging in a tree and not getting busted is way not talked about and then way harder than it sounds. Like if you're hunting pressured deer anywhere and you hang in a tree stand, man, the some somehow some way they they can just spot you, you know, and a lot of times you you think the cover's good, but then you get up there and it's not and you don't want to scent the whole entire area where these does or whatever could be in shooting range. So you don't know the angle they have to the tree, you know, and, and maybe your backdrop isn't as good as you thought, or you're too high or too low. Um, and like you said, the only way to learn is just by failing and be like, okay, somehow they spotted me in that tree. I If I hunt there again, I need to go somewhere else. Um, yep.
2: And you bring up another good point too about those does. It's like, man, when I go to the woods, like, i don't see a whole lot of deer and i live in some really good areas but when i do see a deer it's the one that i want to kill you know what i mean like when i killed this year i only seen two deer that day and i only hunted that farm four times and i seen a total of eight deer four of them were shooters you know what i mean so it's like trying to find where these deer like to hang out is usually well november aside is usually you know what i mean seclusion by themselves you're not going to run into a whole lot of deer. So being able to sit and understanding that I'm not going to, I might not see anything is a very, a very regular thing for me too.
1: Yeah. I mean, not, not seeing deer and not seeing people. That's the, that's a good sign that you're on stuff. You know, it's, um, yep. if you're not seeing a lot of deer, I mean, you know, people hunt, you know, field, sur- field food sources or doe bedding, you know, in the rut. Great. Um, but you're going to see some deer, but you're not going to see the right deer. Like you said, That a lot of times in that early, phases of the season you're gonna see the deer and that deer only um especially if you're really close to his bed those those bucks are they're not bachelor grouped up you know anymore and then when you see that deer it's okay there he is like that's that's your shot and um the every buck that i've killed in october besides one and that was it was a cold front i was on the way to ag on oaks other than that it's all been there's the buck kill him you know the other buck was, man, there was deer all over that night. It was just one of those nights where first big cold front in October, windy and rainy the day before, like high, high winds all day, um just like the the perfect storm, you know, and there's just deer moving all over the place' it was crazy, but you know the other the year that I killed two in October, it was literally first deer I seen and first deer I seen, you know it was, and uh it and a lot of that I think is. Like when you when you can kill these bucks and you can get on them, and if you if you can get really good at hunting scrapes or find a really good scrape, that's kind of his scrape. There might be some other deer that hit that scrape at night or you know you know really really early hours of the morning. Um, but if you're if you're on a on a scrape late October and it's 3 p.m., most of the time it's going to be the buck that hits that if he hits it. You know, hundred percent because he if he's if you get that scrape and he's and he's on it in daylight okay you're like all right i'm close to this dude's bedding you know and that's when shit starts clicking um and that's why that first deer you see if you're hunting that scrape is the buck you know so yeah
2: and that's something i focus on too like i don't i don't own any property so i always have knock on door permission or i'm hunting on public land and i need to know where that buck is betting you know like i'm not hunting directly over top of his beds like i don't go in there in the morning and try to beat him there I try to get in a position to where I can watch him and see how he's using that bedding area. And then I just hunt the fringes of it and hope he walks by me. Because like we mentioned before, like once you make killing these big deer a priority, like you can look in the mirror and you're like, yes, this is, this is what I do. This is, this is my priority. You just need to sit back and, and let nature take its course because your day will come. So you just got to be patient with it and, and enjoy your time. While you're trying to get it done because it will happen if this is your priority,
1: yeah, and then a lot of times it'll happen when you least least expect it to on a day where you know he's in there, but you're like, oh, "I don't think he's gonna come out it's too hot or this or it's raining or it's windy, and then there's your opportunity, so um like you said it it will come it's just you know putting the putting the sits in t- to make it happen, but um. One interesting thing that I had seen lately on Facebook was they, you know, they were patterning that deer's buck or bedding area, bedding spots. You know, I'm sure you've seen that. Um, yep. And they were all over the place, you know, were so many X amount of beddings. Um, but what they didn't mention is that is if you look at that area, there was like three or four main spots. Um, now, when I, when I look at a bedding area per se, I know some people say this is his bed. This is his spot. I don't think that's the case for a lot of bucks. I think this is his area that he beds in. So, 100%. Um, if you see him going back in the morning into an area, okay, that's he's bedding back in there somewhere. Is he bedding on the exact same spot? Is he bedding 100 yards apart, 150 yards apart? Probably. You know, like, is he J-hooking in different? Is he going straight in on certain wins? Probably. But that's his area you know and the thing about man if you can see him going there in the morning you are you have such an advantage you're you have such an advantage on that deer um just yeah. to know where he's at you like okay he's in there like the, the finding him is gone now i just have to hope that he comes my way in the evening you know or when he gets up um
2: yeah and that's how i spend my mornings 90 percent of the time i don't I don't hunt in the morning unless I have some definitive information going on or it's like mid-November and I'm doing an all-day sit or something like that. I don't sit in the mornings expecting to kill. I sit observation posts or I'm driving around looking for that opportunity right there.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, especially in October. I mean, it takes a lot for me to get fired up. It, it, even, even like on the really, really cold mornings of October – i'll go in you'll be like all right this is it this is the morning and go into known budding areas and not not much luck man you know i don't yep and it's just uh you might see them um but 90 90 percent of the time if if you're on maybe some manicured ground low pressure those deer act a little different you know but if you're on where other people are hunting around you know it's it don't even have to be real high pressure, just hunting, just some hunting pressure. You know, the neighbors are hunting, et cetera. Um, they're going to be in bed, you know, in October, early October before daylight. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. You, you can you can catch them slipping sometimes, you know, maybe hitting a scrape plate going in, but it's pretty rare. And like you said, um, the only thing I do like about that time of year and I've had success doing is, you know, you see a buck, You're kind of far off, and he's going into bed. You can call at that deer, and they're really accept uh receptive of calling at that time of year. Like really curious, you know. You can grunt at that deer, and maybe get him to come over your way. And if not, then you know where he's at for the evening. You're like, okay, I know he's in here. Now I just got to think about how is he going to exit this bed with the wind, with the ag, um, and and you you like have to hunt if he goes in there. And you miss him you gotta hunt that evening because you're, you're just odds are just so high um because you know the next six days he might not be in that bedding area you know he might be on an adjacent property bedding or a different area that he likes to bed um so the thing that's like is so hard for me to wrap my head around sometimes is you know we give these deer so much credit and they are so good at surviving like they're top dogs at that you know but they're still wild animals so sometimes I'm thinking they're like, they're not as dead set on their movement as we think they are, you know, like we know that they're going to be, they understand that the nighttime daytime, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, they're, they're definitely going to be in their beds by dark, um, you know, or going to come out of their beds at dark. Um, but the, the getting into bed 30 minutes late, like what would that deer be doing on a cold front that would make him that late compared to another day? You know, it's, it's hard for me to, you know, oh, he knows that it's cold. So he's going to stay up a little bit longer. Like, I know that's what people say. um, And it's probably because they've had success, but it's a wild animal that's trying to survive. that has been doing the same thing, surviving. Um, I feel like if it's a mature deer, it would take quite a bit of testosterone or hot dough or something to make that deer switch that much, you know?
2: yep and just to circle back a little bit on this calling thing too so the deer that i killed this year the one we're talking about um he's the first mature buck that i've killed from a tree stand all the other ones have been on the ground and being inside their bubble like i know where they at are or i have a really good idea where they are and then i call to them. usually light rattling is what brings them in yeah or or snort wheeze like i've, I've seen one bedded with a doe I got in real close to him, snort wheeze, and He came right to me. Shot him at twelve yards. So it's that that is that has been my number one tool. But like, I should be, I should. I mean, I, I hear say he said, she said stuff. I should have been killing in October the last three years. I should have been done by October eighteenth. But you know, bow hunting stuff happens. I got I get busted, or I didn't have a shot, or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. The 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 equalizer of the gun is something. I'm like, man, if we get if early season like that that muzzleloader season, you know, early, I'm like, that's yeah. just in some states, I'm like, that's just devastating. Like the the effect, the amount of that you could kill because the bucks are still going to ag, you know. It's just yep. like, can you get on the close to them enough with a bow to be able to kill them? You know, <laughs> they're still hitting oh, scrapes. Yeah. Like it's just like, I I'm really good at getting a hundred yards that time of year. Like really yeah. good, you know. I have a really
2: good friend that lives in Kansas, and they have a youth season in September, I think, where it's yeah. like rifle, and these kids are knocking down 190s all the time, and it's like, man. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's just they're so they're not you know not suspected. the I I had a couple of uh, nuisance permits from a farmer from the state of Illinois, um, and I went out in the summer and uh, killed a couple does, and. Just the fact, like, it was so weird to be hunting for one, um. but for two, like, full velvet bucks out there, hour before dark, feeding in a hayfield, with a whole bunch of other deer, no, you know, nothing going on, like. Not a care in the world. You know, just, like, lollygagging around, you know, and I'm like, it's cool to watch them, you know, but I was, I was like, all right, I got to shoot this doe really, really good, so it doesn't, like, the only thing I was thinking about is tracking a doe with all the green, like, thick, nasty, you know, that time yep. of year. So I was like, I got to shoot this doe at the base of the neck, you know, or, like, <laughs> base to the head, just so it just, like, falls, you know, and that's what I did. Like, um, I, I shot – I actually shot, and they she whipped her head up, and I missed, and the deer didn't even move off a gunshot. I'm like, oh, these things are – like, it's so unfair that time of year, um, you know, but – The farmer wanted some some dough tags filled and in the state of Illinois they have to apply for it
3: eating better is easy with factors delicious ready to eat meals every fresh never frozen meal is chef crafted dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes including calorie smart protein plus which is the one I like and keto get started today and get after your goals discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day like breakfast midday bites and more no prep, no mess meals factor meals, at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off.
4: After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online.
1: have to put your name down as a tag and then you gotta send in pictures and a whole whole nine yards. Um, oh yeah. But uh it was just eye opening to see like how of a disadvantage they are during that time of year because they just know that there's no hunting pressure. It's just it's a different creature. Um and that there's always like that that thought of Illinois Opening it up earlier, like they've talked about it, and I'm like, if they opened up September fifteenth, the amount of deer that first couple years that would die because that early start would be just astronomical, because it, they wouldn't be expecting it. Like,
2: yeah, devastating. Yeah, it'd be
1: devastating. Um, you know, but I don't think they'll ever do it. But if they if they did, man, it would be you could you could slay out like they're they're out in the bean fields <laughs> every night at you know September fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth. Um, and this is like right when they shed that velvet that that week, right there. Then they start acting funny and disappearing and moving and doing their thing. But well, let's get into the, let's get into your last year buck story, man.
2: Well, so technically, I didn't kill last year. This is a this year buck. This is oh, a yeah. twenty twenty
1: year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it's twenty twenty four. So I'm confused. It's we're two days oh, in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, man. I'm, I'm, yeah, now this, you threw me for a loop. Yeah, this season's buck, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, so so this guy, I mean, everything that we talked about, we're going to probably re-hit again. Like nothing really groundbreaking with this guy. Um, basically, I know for a fact that this guy is at least six and a half years old because I've been, I've been keeping track of him for at least three. I've been trying to kill him for three years, and this was the first time I ever had him in bow range, only the second time I ever saw him. So it goes back quite a ways. But what's was cool is was about hunting these beds and stuff is last year in January, I really f- fine tuned where I knew this guy was living. And when he was three and four and potentially five, I, I don't know that for sure, but just based off of my trail cam data, I know I'm pretty sure this guy's at least six and a half years old. He was squirrely and all over the place, and then this year it was like no matter what, he wanted to be in a specific area on a specific wind direction, and that's what I played off of. But circling back around in 21 is when I first got a trail camera picture of this deer. He's super easy to identify because every year he had humongous split brows. His frame never changed, but it was like every year his brow tines just got bigger and bigger, which is, I think they're, I think his right brow tine is the tallest tine on his on, on his rack, actually. He's not a very wide guy. He's 16, 17 inches tops spread. But like I said, I could t- figure this guy out that it was him based off of his brow tines. That's usually a characteristic that they carry through their whole lives. And uh, I had a, a 20... 21 was a really good year for me as far as the um, the amount of mature deer that I was, I was able to find and that I also thought were killable. That's one thing that I look for going into every season is I usually want to find at least five deer to chase. Now, I'm not holding out for them necessarily. Like if a, a random shooter comes by, I'm obviously going to take my chances, but – learning those 5 deer and tracking them down I usually run into the deer I end up killing or something you know what I mean I usually run into somebody that I didn't even know existed you know what I mean so that's that's usually how I roll into each season and every year going in I was always looking for this guy um where my parents live my parents still live in Ohio and I have a lifetime license there so I always go back I always find my biggest deer in Ohio even I usually travel around a little bit um, so just trying to gather my thoughts on where i want to start this so i never seen him one time from the tree stand in 21 i got oodles of trail cam pictures but like i said i was also chasing a lot of other deer and then going into 22 i also got a lot of trail camera pictures of him but i had a magnum eight pointer on another property that i really want i've always wanted to shoot just a a once in a lifetime eight point just a massive and this other guy i was chasing he was the beans every day I, I i could film him every single day in july and i had both of his, the only deer i've ever had two sheds from i don't even shed hunt like i only care about the horns on their head but i actually found both of these ones from this eight pointer that i was after so i put a lot of eggs in that basket i ended up losing track of him uh early November so then I switched gears or it was like November 9th I think was the last time that I seen him and because I had that deer so pinned down I had him in bow range twice I seen him four times and I wasn't forcing shots on him because I knew I had him pinned down and I knew I was going to get another opportunity well once I my trail camera picture started drying up at that deer I stopped seeing him um uh I, I switched gears and I went over to this split brow buck And that's what not killing last year was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me as a bow hunter, because I literally hunted, I was still living kind of in North Carolina for part of last year and their season opens up pretty early. So I hunted from early September all the way to like February 4th or whenever Ohio season closes. And I didn't kill a deer that whole time, but I got was able to gather so much information that rolled into 23. That's when I actually, I filmed this deer. I think it was like January 10th or something like that coming off of this hillside. And I was able to figure it out that it was all based off of wind direction. So these mature deer are solo creatures usually where you'll see like a a group of beds or a bunch of beds. It's usually a bunch of does because they have like that herd mentality. They rely on each other for that 360 degree security with eyes and ears and noses. So they can they can bed anywhere and have a pretty good chance of survival. But when you get like these mature older, mature, secluded deer, they really need terrain features to uh aid in their survival. So those downwind hillsides and stuff like that, based off the wind direction, I usually catch them on on those downwind hillsides. And I seen them do this late January and I filmed him. I and would set up on him on and off. And then I eventually just ran out of time and ran out of weather. Uh, The weather that we've been getting in the later seasons really hasn't been too terribly cold and, and not owning any property. This was a knock on door piece. So like ag was picked, chisel plowed, you know what I mean? There was hardly any food on this thing. So I ended up running out of time last year. I shot and missed as I usually do on another eight pointer, not anything crazy, but it was like, end of January. So I was trying to make something happen, kind of force a shot, still regret it. But uh, rolling into this season too, I, was, I got a bunch of pictures early. And one thing that I did this year was I really changed my trail camera strategy. Um, I really use my cameras kind of like hunting almost because I regardless of, of what cameras you use, like they're going to need batteries. They're going to need SD cards at check. And I really try to stay out of these, out of these, uh, prime hunting areas that I've discovered from hunting some of these properties for three, four years now. Some of them are way longer than that, that I've had permission on since I was a kid. I'm just relearning how to actively, effectively hunt these places. So like once I, once I know an area, I usually don't stress too much about trail camera pictures so i pulled my cameras out a little bit and so i was getting periodic pictures of them every once in a while especially in the early season of velvet the same hillside um and i knew he was still using that area uh and didn't have any i was didn't have any luck in october really until october 18th i was hunting this hillside but it was on a different wind direction i usually needed northeast because this, this hillside runs a little bit diagonal from like from southwest to northeast. So a northwest wind is perfect for this location. And I was really waiting on that specific trigger to let me know to be into this location. But I would still hunt the fringes of the northern edge of these properties. Because so I don't know if you notice this. I mean, it's probably a little bit different in Illinois. But we had a lot of south winds, directly south winds. And for my access for that place, it really wasn't too good. But I went in early October or mid October on a south wind, and I hunted the north side of this uh, of this ridge system. And it was like I got out as soon as I possibly could with the day. Like you know, it was early, so it gets dark. It doesn't get dark till super late. You know, like seven thirty, or you can shoot until whenever. You know, it gets really late. And I was hanging my set, and I got busted by two shooters. Like halfway up my tree at four o'clock in the afternoon, and I was like, "There's no way that they should be moving that early." But it's something that I learned from that is like me primarily hunting these bedding areas, trying to figure out where these guys are bedding. Because if if I know where they're bedding, or anybody for that matter, I feel like your odds of killing that deer go through the roof. Like if you're just getting night time pictures or just seeing them on field edges and stuff like that, I mean you might have a chance, but when you really narrow down like, where these guys are betting, that's when your, your chance is absolutely skyrocket, and you learn how they're using it and um, which wind directions they like to be bedded in there. So I ended up getting busted bad by two shooters back-to-back, like one right after the other. A, a beautiful eight-point tall busted me, and then a short-time 10-pointer, but he had a drop-time on him. And I had never seen – I only have like one trail cam picture of that buck and they both came right by me, seen me in the tree, at, and it was just, I sat there the rest of the evening, didn't see another deer, so completely busted that hunt, and then I live in Indiana, so I have to really pick and choose my days of when I bust over to Ohio, and um, just accumulating a bunch of properties around where my parents live, um, it was also a huge factor because I'm getting like small pieces like 14 acres here 12 here I got a couple bigger ones 50 plus but uh I was getting this deer on all these different properties but usually mm-hmm. at night like I'd have like one trail camera on that 12 acre piece and I'd catch him busting through or hitting a scrape on another piece but it all boiled down to that same ridge that I seen embedding on the year before and uh I hunted the north end of the property November 4th because we had a south wind and I was just basically an observation sit and I didn't see anything but the neighbor smoking cigarettes out of his double stand. So I was super upset (laughs) that this guy was sitting my fence line. Like, you know what I mean? But what do you do? You just, I guess, figure it out from there. So I busted that set down actually. And I moved closer to that Ridge to try to get a better glassing point. And I'm eating a sandwich watching this, watching that hillside in a blowdown, and I watch a a young buck cruise through a little pinch point, and then I moved a little bit closer to that pinch. It wasn't, I wasn't, I was still probably 300 yards away from that ridge that I was watching. But as I'm sitting there eating my sandwich, this nine point that I have a lot of uh, pictures of this year, a lot of velvet, um, he starts coming right at me and I'm like, I'm going to shoot him. He's a beautiful deer. He's probably three and a half years old, but he's coming right to I me. Mean, I'm going to bust this guy on the ground at eight yards. He's coming right at me. And he's literally on the other side of this blowdown. And as I, and I drew my bow, like I could just barely see him. And he was about to come right next to me. And when I drew my bow, I don't know if I stepped on a stick or my arm hit a stick, but he heard a stick break and then he kind of like bounded backwards and looked back at me completely broadside and and i misjudged the yardage on that when i thought he was at about 35 ish and he was probably under 30 and i sailed one right over his back slammed it into a tree and like i thought you know what i mean just like i said i usually miss once every year and that was my one time and i was just like kicking myself for it and all kinds of stuff but you gotta you gotta keep your head down and keep moving and, and stick with your plans and while I was sitting there, I realized that the, the next day was going to be a north wind. And I was like, okay, I, I shot and missed this deer here. I seen a buck, whatever. So I went closer to that ridge system and I hung my stand for uh, the next day that I knew it was going to be north a north uh, west wind, which is perfect for that bed or that bedding area, I should say. And I got out of there. I went to a completely different property and hunted that evening. And then this is what what is also another critical part to success is like, I have permission to hunt this property, but my access permission is from a completely different person. So I actually went to a neighbor. I was like, Hey, can I walk through this field to get to this property to hunt? It's nothing but a wide open cornfield that had already been picked. And there's a ditch that runs to the woods that uh, I go into. So I, I took my, I have an e-bike, which is my, I call it my magic carpet because that thing is i mean those things are are awesome to be honest with you like you can literally go anywhere without even touching the ground or leaving any scent i rode it across this field and this was another point that i I learned too is like if you use one of those things or any type of bike or whatever you got to lay those things on the ground and cover them up because i had that same buck that i missed the day before come by me the next morning Um, and seen that bike and he would not come any closer he seen it from the field that I rode in on he was walking that field edge and he seen it and like did like one of those a a small blow and then just kind of like went the other way so another key point there if you're using those things definitely lay them down but uh so I got in my stand and at eight o'clock like clockwork this is the buck that I was after came in and he did kind of textbook what people say he walked the bottom edge of that ridge system like so he's like north of me i seen i seen him from a distance probably 140 yards 150 yards away and he walked the base of that ridge downwind to that whole bedding area and then as he was getting ready to j-hook into the part where i i figured he would want to be just based off of years of history Um, i think i when i compiled all the numbers i almost had 100 trail cam pictures of this guy over the last couple years and that's not on food sources i don't run any bait so this was basically just in that area and where how he was using it and he j hooked to go right into that thing and i shot him at probably a little bit further than i wanted to it was over it was a little over 40 yards and that was because uh one thing that i i always I always try to, I always focus on one trail or one scrape. Like when you're hunting public land or pressured areas, like you need to have your setup for one shooting section, because if you're trying to move and cover a bunch of different shooting lanes and stuff, I just, I don't find very much success in that because there's just too much movement. And you make too much noise. You know, I, I just get picked off. So I really try to put all my eggs into one basket, but for this hunt, I didn't do that. And it almost bit me because I almost lost my opportunity because I still tried to cover that pinch point where I seen those two bucks running the day before. So I was kind of sitting in between those and and, uh, I won't be doing that again, because I, like I said, I almost missed this opportunity,
3: Adam.
1: Yeah. It's hard to, to, to go into one, you know, just, this is where I'm going to kill, you know, and not want to have the back door or the side angle. Um, Oh, it's so hard. A couple of things I want to touch base with you. Um, The South winds is we, we had a ton of South winds and, We've had a lot during the rut we've had a lot of southeast um over the last few years, which was something that we never had I don't remember ever having that many um you know southeast winds you know like the last three years during the rut i'm I'm like I'll never be able to hunt this cedar tree line because I need a southeast so I'm not gonna hang a stand in it and then every single year I'm in it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I I gotta get a stand in here. Like, it's silly how many southeast we're getting. Um, so that that's that's on the list to do next year. Um, is to get get a stand. Um, I put one in the straight south. Um, and that's where I killed my buck straight south, or I shot my buck in the shoulder this year. It didn't kill, but my opportunity to kill this year. Um, straight south wind. Um, off a rattle. Um, funny funniest thing was. I rattled uh, maybe earlier in that, and uh, this was almost like a frustration rattle where I just did the most obnoxious, loud, unrealistic-sounding rattle right before dark that I've ever done in my whole entire life, and I rattled that buck in. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, you try to be so textbook and do it like you're fighting, you know, and add some yep. realism, and then I'm just banging them. Like, at one point, I'm not even – like rattle and I'm just bang, 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 bang and come right in. You know, I'm like, I'm like, okay, but it, you know, he didn't come right in, but he, he came out of the draw, which he most definitely wouldn't have come out of probably before dark. Um, if I did rattle. Um, yeah.
2: It, and that's a funny point though. Like these deer have personalities too. I mean, nothing I ever say is going to be groundbreaking because I don't think that's honestly like, if you're looking for one specific key thing to kill a deer every year, that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? So nothing that I say is, is going to be like off the wall crazy. It's all pre-textbook stuff. But the deer that I killed in 21, I called him in three different times before I killed him. And you, you know what I mean? Like, that's just who he was. He was out grinding fighting everybody. Real acceptable
1: to calls. Yeah. It seems like some deer are, they're just, and then some deer completely avoid them like the plague. Like, so you got to kind of understand what you're looking at. I know a lot of people, um, at least my buddies that I've talked to over the few years, um, turned me on to running cameras and video mode on scrapes. And then the bucks that are very, very aggressive on scrapes, they call to because they're more liable to come in. And then the bucks that are more timid on scrapes or walk past scrapes and don't hit them, they don't call to. Um, And they've been finding a lot of success doing that um, because the more aggressive the deer is, the more liable they are to come into a call um, which I thought was a real cool technique that I've been utilizing as well. So
2: man, I'm, I'm glad you say that because I like now I'm just going through the roll of decks in my head of situations that I've been in and that makes a whole lot of sense. Like the 21 buck that I told you that I, I killed off of calling him in, I mean, I would watch him rip up trees, destroy scrapes, and then that magnum eight pointer that I was after, he never he would walk by scrapes. And I never seen him raking trees or anything like, or like really going after a tree. And I rattled, I rattled at him and he turned at 60 yards trying to get him to come to me. He just turned around and went the complete opposite way. So like, that makes total sense.
1: Yeah. So that's something that, you know, you might be able to throw in the bank and be like, all right, I got a, I got a couple of trail cam videos of this guy on a scrape, you know, how aggressive is he? Like, um, and I know they act different you know, throughout the year. But if you got one that's just going in there and just going ham every single time, you're like, all right, I'm, I can, I can snort weed this dude in, or I can call this dude in, you know? Um, another yeah. thing that I really like that you did is you pre hung your stand in the daylight before you went in there. Um, and that's something that I've talked about before, you know, you're in there, you see the action you're going on, you hang the stand, you leave, and you come back and hunt it the next day. Um, when people get into mobile hunting or they've been mobile hunting for a while, the hanging in the dark in the morning is the hardest thing to do and be successful. I mean, oh, yeah. it's just incredibly hard to know the ground so well, especially if you're in a new area. No, if you're in an area you've hunted for 3-4 years and you have a tree picked out and yeah, that's great. But if you're I'm going to go hunt this draw in the morning and you go in there and you're you're more than likely not going to be set up where you need to, and the only thing that I can suggest there is if you're not set up where you want to get down and move because that's burned me i don't know how many times where i'm like all right this isn't what i thought it was i hunt you know that first morning movement and then it seems like there's you get that first 30 minute movement and then there's a there's like a dull spot until like 8:30, 9 o'clock so at least for where i have the properties that i hunt so the, then it's like the does start moving again the bucks are you know cruising around it's like they bed down for thing the morning for a little bit and then they get back up and start cruising um So I found really good success of just, okay, this isn't right. I need to move. Um, And without a good mobile set, you can't do that. Um, But I like that you pre-hung the set um, before that. I do that I don't know how many times. Like, I'm like, all right, do I have a good buck located that I think I can kill right now in the evening? No. Do I have a buck that I feel like I could kill tomorrow morning? Yeah, pretty good chance he might be in there. So I'll burn that evening hunt and hunt over there as long as the wind's right kind of knowing that i'm gonna be set up for the morning you know what i'm saying
2: absolutely and i've even done that when so i killed two two bucks in north carolina on public down there and what i did was i did that in the midday so i did like a midday scout and i hung my stand and i came back in there that evening and hunted it so i went so i was kind of noisy you know what i mean doing my thing and i I feel like if you sometimes if you're not especially in a really thick environment in in these bedding areas if they can't see you or smell you they just hear something they're usually not going to bust out of there from my experience so like going in there and like taking my time and scouting a little bit and then hanging my stand and then when I come back in that evening being in stealth mode and crawling in there real quiet and setting up I mean I did that twice in North Carolina off the top of my head so you can even pull that move off midday but i do not recommend hanging a mobile set in the morning unless you know exactly what tree you're going to like you already have it picked and prepped
1: yeah it's tough with a, you know you're out there with a flashlight trying to get an idea of what you're looking at and where you can say oh it's an
2: it's a nightmare even if you know the property you get in there and then you always find yourself in the dark
1: dude everything (laughs) in the dark
2: you're like, Man, yeah, this was... does not look right, you know? You're like stuck in the brush pile and you do like a three sixty with your headlamp and you're completely surrounded and you're yeah. like,
1: I'm done. Yeah. Might as
2: well just go to sleep right yeah. here.
1: Um but yeah, the uh the uh the setting up and then and then leaving and then coming back. I, I don't know like I've I've seen I've had it with trail cams. Like you hang a trail cam and you know, maybe it's a cell cam or a red cam and, and you leave, and that evening there's a big deer on it. Like, yep. it's like, they know something was over there and now it's safe. So they want to go check it out. Um, and I don't know if that's something like they actually see you physically leave or hear you leave and they're like, okay, what was that? You know? And then they want to go check it because they're curious creatures. I don't know if that's, yep. there's something to that. Um, but I know a lot of people that bait say that, like they're go in, they won't even put bait out, but they're pull a trail camera card and then the deer are there like check checking to see if they dropped any bait, which I could see. Um, but just for a guy hanging a stand and kinda of bouncing around, um, you know, you get a curious buck, he might come over there and then like you said, you're there for the evening hunt. Um, but being prepared is, is awesome. And then one other thing I want to touch base is I'm I, I almost have to buy an e bike this year. Um they're just kind of costly, dude. You know, they're they're investment. Um but uh, I told sure. my wife, I said, I wanna hunt stuff I'm limiting myself because you you could be a big dog and say, oh man, I'm going to get back in there every single day and and do the thing. But then the older I get, the more I realize that if you can eliminate all excuses, you're you're get the job done. Um, Absolutely. So so if I have that, I won't have that excuse of, oh, it's too far or it's, you know, I got to carry this stuff and this and that. Um, But that's the plan. Um so I like the idea of covering it cuz that's not something I would have thought of. And just a shout out. I don't know what the brand was, but my kids um they're all huge into hunting and my wife or I think my my mother-in-law, their grandma bought them like this 3D meshy camo throw. Um and it's like a kid's section toy. I don't know if where she got it off Amazon or whatever, but it is the highest quality 3D, meshy thing I've ever seen in my whole entire life. I told, I got, they got it, and it, like, it, like, mushes down to, like, the size of, like, a softball in this bag, you know, and they draw it tight. I'm like, wow, like, it. it's just so cool, and I just thought of that. I'm like, if I get, I'm gonna be stealing one of those damn, those damn, like, i don't know what it you know it's just a 3d throw like you know yeah and it's like the and, old school like fishnet ones you know where the fishnet threw it and then uh you know the then the, the camels roll through as well um, but that's not something i would have thought about with the the bike you know maybe just throwing it down and and leaving it but i'll be on public so covering it up might not be a bad idea as well um, yeah it, when i'm
2: on public like, usually so like the main reason why i got it is where my parents live on like one acre not very huntable at, really at all i run a camera on there just for fun but i tried to get properties all within bike riding distance of that and there's even some public around there too so like i i I put the miles on that thing and i'm so mad at myself i didn't have that cami netting like you were talking about to throw over top of it because that's just one of the things that i do is like i don't i don't take any shortcuts like that like i'm afraid to take somebody hunting with me because i feel like they'll hate it because like <laughs> I, I, there's nothing on my, there's no shiny. I cover everything. I spray paint it. I put stealth strips on it. Like I I try to mitigate any type of visual, any type of noise. Like I wear moccasins going in and out of the woods and stuff. Even when I'm in my tree stand, like I don't have like that, the noise that your boots can make on your tree stands and stuff. So like I try to do, I do everything like that. And for whatever reason, I put my bike on the stupid kickstand and I would have killed that deer, a much smaller deer, beautiful buck still, but I would have had an opportunity at that buck if I would have put my bike yeah. down. Yeah.
1: So I'm glad you said that. Cause like, I could see myself all lean it up and tie it up to this tree or, you know, lock it onto this tree or something out here. um, And then, you know, it grow. you know, the buck sees it. You know, and, and yeah. then it goes the other way. But if you locked it up on a tree and threw a camo cover over it, it might be a little bit better disguise from people and from from deer for that for yeah. that fact. But um, that's definitely the plan um, is to to get one of those bikes. But man, I really yeah. appreciate you sharing the story. Um, it sounds like you know it's just one of those years where you were in the action and and stuff wasn't clicking, and then it finally you finally made the one move, you know, and and shit clicked for you yeah i mean it, it really
2: boils down i mean super simple stuff like i pre-scouted i knew the bedding area and then i stayed out of there until it was the perfect conditions i the where i killed this deer i had never sat before there i mean there were no previous tree stands i'm the only person that has access on this property so it was the first time that i had ever been in there and I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Like completely caught him off guard, waited for the right wind to get in there. Access was perfect. Like I rode my bike up to the tree line. I may I went in the woods, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe 20 steps on my actual property that I hunt. And then then got a shot at this guy.
1: I had the, Um, the place that I killed freeze was like that. I got, you know, the people had hunted it in the past, but they've always accessed it weird and came in and crossed this big ravine. And, I got permission from the neighbor to walk across this field and they were like, "Oh, there's no big deer back there." Even the neighbors and I'm like, "Yeah, there's nothing back there." I'm seeing all kinds of, shit, you know, I'm on big deer yep. all the time, but um just that one guy doing something different. Those deer are like, you know, they can't they can't catch on. They're used to the the 10 years of guys crossing this ravine and then bumping out of there. You know, man.
2: And that's like, I'm trying to like, cause I'm, I'm new into Indiana and I'm trying to get it's a completely different ball game over here with the season, the gun seasons and stuff like that. It's, it's out of control, honestly. So I was really wor- working hard for access and the, the, with the time frame and everything, the only access I was getting were properties that had a lot of other hunters already hunting them. And I'm telling you what, I hung a lot of trail cameras on the downwind edge of ladder stands and i probably have a majority of the big bucks that were using those properties on those dashes of those tree stands just cuz they just know that that's, that's where great, somebody's going to be.
1: That's a great tip, dude. That's a great tip. Never even, yep. never even thought of that. Um, yep. So. All right, man. Well, I us well, wrap it up here, dude. I appreciate you coming on and and sharing your story. I, I picked up some stuff from this episode, so i know um that uh, other people will as well. So, um uh, let the people know where they can find you on Instagram if they want to reach out and chat deer hunting.
2: Yeah, so I'm pretty sure if you just search my name, Levi Marshall, to come up. But my handle is Marshall Law 27. And absolutely, please feel free to uh, to reach out and ask any questions that you have. Just because the, the the large n- number of hunters out there, but there's very few people that are actually seriously trying to to do the right, like you know what I mean. They're constantly doing the right thing and really trying to go after these big deer. So. So please reach out. Let's gain these relationships. It's the number one reason why I wanted to jump on this
1: podcast with you is,
2: is just to spark this relationship and keep it going.
1: Yeah. I'm the same here, man. I appreciate you coming on.
2: Yep. Absolutely.
1: All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I really enjoyed this chat with Levi. Um, just diving back into some, some good whitetail content here in these, in these deer of 2023 stories. Um, a lot of things to pull away from this episode. I pulled right away a couple things and I'm going to try implement um the downwind of other stands. I thought am that's that's cool. See it's something that you should have I should have thought of um running cams downwind of other people's stands, you know, old stands. Um but I'm going to try it. See how it pans out. Um but like always always try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy. Um if you need anything, you know I'm here for you guys. I love you. Appreciate you tuning in all the way in. White to Legacy is out